following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network. PTB Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. Benfica Nation, welcome back to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host here again tonight, the Mr. Mike Agostinho, and this is episode 22, part 2 of Benfica in the USA. How is everybody doing tonight? It is late night Saturday here on the east coast of the United States of America here in Massachusetts about 27 miles or 44 kilometers north of where Benfica will play AC Milan tomorrow. All right, it is 11:55. It is almost midnight, so it's almost later today. Benfica will face Milan at Gillette Stadium, home of uh Home of the New England Patriots of the NFL. Um, tonight we're, we're going to do a quick recap of the Fiorentina match from Red Bull Arena a few nights ago. I'm going to give a couple thoughts on what I think about some of the uh, the events going on throughout that match. Some of the stories that came out of the match. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, tomorrow's match. I'll, I'll touch briefly on what I think or what I expect. By the time most of you hear this, uh, the match with Milan will have already been played. Uh, Hopefully some of you will catch this on your drive to Gillette Stadium tomorrow. Of course, if you see me at Gillette Stadium, if you see me in the parking lot um, around the concourse, I'm going to be looking for the the Portuguese Liga trophy that is going to be on display somewhere. I want my photo op with the trophy just like everybody else has had at these other two matches. If you happen to see me and you recognize me, feel free to say hello. I am um, always going to be very approachable. I love hearing from anybody who uh, who loves Benfica, whether you listen to this show or not. If uh, if you recognize me, you know, just just say hello. I'll be more than happy to uh, to meet anybody tomorrow. Hopefully, I'm hoping to meet some of uh, some of the Toronto contingent tomorrow. Um, We'll see if I can get to the stadium in time to to make it to their big, their big uh, tailgate party that they're having there in the lot. Um, got a few things that are going to delay me in the morning, but uh, I don't know what time I'm going to get out of the house. To be honest, to get myself down there to Gillette Stadium, I got to pick up my tickets at the ticket window. I have paid for them, obviously. I've purchased them, but they are being held at the ticket window for me. So uh, that'll be the first. 
place I hit up tomorrow. Um, looking forward to this, like I said. We're going to hear something rare tonight also. I got a little audio snippet, only about 20 seconds, but it's Bruno Lage. It's his pregame comments before the Fiorentina match in English. 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 Bruno Lage, a lot of English. That's right. Bruno Lage speaking English. Very short uh, tidbit, but um, he goes on to to explain, you know, how things are going, how the preseason's going up till now, and what we're working towards. And um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about the commentary in this match. Uh, watched it in English on ESPN Plus, and I had a few thoughts and a few um, views, if you will, on the way that the match was commentated and on the way um, I think some things were ignored and. Seems like this always happens when Benfica come to play in the United States. There's a certain, um, there's a certain lack of recognition, uh, you know, lack of acknowledgement for the environment in the stadium. For the fact that, yes, it was a small crowd at 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 Red Bull Arena, but it was a very partisan crowd at Red Bull Arena, and that was never mentioned, and I'm not happy about that, to be honest with you. I think they should be reporting what is going on in the stadium, and they should have pointed out that almost every single fan in that stadium was wearing a red shirt, and the only thing you could hear the entire match was Benfica fans, okay? You didn't hear any Fiorentina fans. I don't think Fiorentina fans exist, okay? I saw these two teams play three seasons ago, four seasons ago, whenever it was, the last time they played, and it was down in East Hartford, Connecticut, and it was 95% Benfica fans, and the rest were Italian-Americans who uh, were wearing Italy and Juve jerseys, okay? It was not Fiorentina fans. Even heard an Italian um, start cheering as Fiorentina come out, yelling, Forza! Forza Azuri, and I crea- I corrected the guy. I said, this is not Azuri, this is La Viola. Fiorentina are La Viola. They're not, they're not, uh, you know, they're not the Azuri. They're not the Italian national team. And uh, I find this team incredibly annoying for that reason, or the, or the fans that, that support them simply because they are... Uh, because they play in Italy, I don't know. If, if Vittoria Stubal were playing here in New England, I may go watch the game, but I would not go and, and say Forza Portugal when, when, when Vittoria Stubal take the field, you know. not going to root for them like that just because they play in Portugal. I don't know. It's just, I guess this is a little something. Most of you know by now, um, I got nothing against Italians. I married one. All right, my wife is an Italian, so... Um, Take that with a grain of salt. I guess I've gotten to know them a little bit differently. And, um, well, let's just say they like to band behind their teams a little. The rivalries don't seem to go as deep as ours do, with a few exceptions. With a few exceptions, because I know there's going to be some... uh, there's going to be some Juve and some Inter fans rooting for Benfica tomorrow. Uh, Some people I know who who are not going to be rooting for Milan. But, uh... For the most part, Italians seem to all get behind their Italian teams when they play non-Italian competition. That is something I cannot uh, comprehend. I wouldn't even dare uh, root for Porto or for Sporting just because they're playing non-Portuguese opposition. I said that last year when they were in the in the uh, Champions League. I wanted them to win in advance just so that they had to keep playing extra matches. 
I was not rooting for them to win. I don't want to see them celebrate any kind of win. I'd be happy to see Porto lose all 34 matches and lose all of their European matches this year. That's not going to happen. But I would I would be happy with that. So uh, stay right there. Don't go anywhere, all right? We're going to be back on the other side of Reconquista. All right, there's no news again this weekend. This is preseason. Um, everything is rumor, very little substance. So we'll bring the news segment back after the Super Tasa. Um, but after Reconquista... We're going to hear those couple of English words from the Mr. Bruno Lage. Stay right there. This is Mr. Benfica, episode 22. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino. Follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back. Don't move. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo No, it's good because we did we did the first two weeks in Portugal to, to be ready for for this competition, and here we have a chance to to play with uh, strong strong teams like Chivas and Fiorentina and after Milan. So uh, it's good for us to prepare ourselves to the to the fourth of August for the Super Cup. Okay. And that right there was Mr. Bruno Lage giving a pre-game, uh, pre-game interview in English at Red Bull Arena, um, talking about how the team began their training in Portugal before coming to play in the International Champions Cup. Three tough matches against clubs like Chivas, Fiorentina, and of course AC Milan. Um, Lage then goes on to say that this is all building toward. August 4th, next Sunday, and the Super Cup match against 
arch enemy Sporting Clube Portugal. Um, disappointed. I was disappointed in the ESPN Plus, and I think this was a world feed they picked up. I think the commentary was from a world feed. This was not an ESPN crew commentating the match. I think they picked this up off of somebody else. And uh, but I was very, very um, disappointed having with that comment having been said. The commentary team never again mentioned the Super Cup against Sporting. Um, and on top of that, like I said here on the top of the show, uh, I was disappointed with the fact that, and this seems to happen when Benfica comes here to the United States, it happened with Hercules Gomez, one of my favorite American soccer pundits and commentators, and I forget who he was calling the match with last year on ESPN2 um, against Juventus. And, um, you know, it was an all Benfica crowd. It was like 70-30 Benfica fans last year at a sellout at Red Bull Arena. And a very, very little mention to the fact of just how overwhelming and how many more Benfica fans were in the crowd than there are of these other clubs. And for some reason, they don't like to point that out. Okay, Benfica has almost always played as the home team in these matches. They're hardly ever given an opponent that draws, okay? Uh, Chivas did not deliver on that. I thought Chivas were going to deliver, but of course, the you know the ongoing disputes, like I talked about in the last episode between Soccer United Marketing and Relevant Sports, led to Chivas being severely handicapped and unable to field um, a first team, which does not exactly tell their fan base to go out and spend a ridiculous amount of money, you know, upwards of $45 to $50 minimum on match tickets to see a reserve side play. Uh, that really hurt the attendance. That 15000 should have easily been 40000 last week if, if things could have been done the right way. And, um, pl- again, playing Fiorentina, like I said, they have no fans. They have absolutely... There were their so-called supporters group were wearing T-shirts that just said New York Fiorentina on it. Like these were homemade T-shirts. They weren't even wearing jerseys. They weren't wearing scarves. I mean, almost like Rocco Camiso printed those shirts out and handed them out to fans outside the stadium to make it to give an appearance that Fiorentina were supported or had a, a big supporters, you know. Uh, a big supporters culture here in the Northeast, down in New York. It clearly was not the case. And in Connecticut, four years ago, it also was not the case. It was very, very few, if any, actual Fiorentina supporters, okay? Um, So again, the attendance for this game was not stellar. But listen, it's a weeknight, okay? It was a Wednesday night, an 8 o'clock kickoff, no less. Okay, guaranteed a late um, departure from the stadium. Guaranteed traffic, you know, getting out. It's enough, It's still enough people in there to create some traffic issues. You're not getting out of there at an early time at all. And we Portuguese got to work, yo. We got to work. We're not, we're not, you know, the type of people that don't go to work the next day. Okay, we all got to work. Not that everyone else doesn't, but there's something different about us Portuguese when we work. Okay, we work a lot. <laughs> I think we work a lot more than a lot of other people, um, and we 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 find that normal. At least I do. Uh, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but you know, again, you got to be on the construction site. You got to be, you know, in the landscaping crew. You got to be at all the, you know, um, you got to be working the stone masonry, 
at 6 o'clock in the morning the next day. You can't be leaving Red Bull Arena, you know, at 11 o'clock and, and getting on the road by midnight, 1230. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with the low attendance number. Um, also, tickets for this game were ridiculous. But both of these games, I mean, you see, regular season, league matches in Portugal, when the ticket prices exceed 20, 30 euros, you know, people are outraged. We have a money grab of a friendly. Let's call it what it is. This tournament is a huge money grab, okay? Um, this is still preseason. These are friendlies. It is very much still a money grab on the part of relevant sports. And um, I think they do a good job putting on this tournament, don't get me wrong. But these tickets are ridiculous, okay? You're looking at a minimum $45 just for tickets. That's before parking. See, those of you guys that don't live here in the United States, we, the, we get ripped off for parking at these stadiums as well. That's right. They charge you $20, $30, $40 to park your car at the stadium or nearby. Um... Not looking forward to that tomorrow, that's for sure. Uh, also, you got to eat. You know, you got you got to buy something inside the stadium. You're gonna pay eight bucks for 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 a Heineken. You're gonna pay ten bucks for a cheeseburger, whatever it is that you want. Everything is overpriced. Um, very hard to take, you know, a family to a match uh, on a Wednesday night and spend that kind of money. So. All that said, I think the, the attendance turnout was still decent, okay? It wasn't great, but it was decent considering Benfica were pulling all of the ticket sales. Um, the uh, You know, Fiorentina provide almost nothing. They provide nothing but having a team to play against in this match. And um, I'm expecting at Gillette Stadium tomorrow to be a little bit more of an AC Milan uh, fan base to help us uh, <laughs> buy some of these tickets and get a decent attendance number. But... Do not, um, do not think that this is a knock only on Benfica because if you take a look at the attendance uh, numbers for this entire International Champions Cup, for the portion of the tournament being played in the United States, attendance is down across the board. If, if Real Madrid are not playing, tickets are way down. Real Madrid is pulling the 50 60,000 numbers, okay? They had a big crowd, I think 56,000 last night at the Meadowlands at Giants Stadium, MetLife Stadium, whatever you call it now, the home of the New York Giants. Um, they had, a, I believe, 56,000 when they got their teeth kicked in by their crosstown rivals, um, Atletico Madrid, and Atleti debuting none other than our former, uh, our former Príncipe, El Príncipe, like they called him on Gold TV, João Félix. All right, he scored his first goal in a Atleti jersey last night and had a beautiful assist on the fifth goal as uh, Atleti just absolutely wiped the floor with Real Madrid last night um, in front of about 56,000. Take Real Madrid out of the picture, and the attendance numbers are quite low for the matches being played here in the United States of America. But anyhow, it is Wednesday. It was Wednesday night, I should say. Harrison, New Jersey, Red Bull Arena, 81 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 27 degrees Celsius, a warm, steamy night for the two teams. The referee was American Robert Sabiga, and the attendance number officially 12,141, which is still, in Portugal, that's a big crowd outside of the big three stadiums. So... 
still a decent number, I think, for the Portuguese-American community to come out, especially the Benfica community, and support Benfica. And keep in mind, at the same exact time, across the Hudson River at Yankee Stadium, uh, the European champions, Liverpool, were playing against some uh, some neighborhood squad, some Club do Bairro from Lisbon. Um, I guess they got some fans. I don't know. I, I, I peeked in, and all I saw was red at Yankee Stadium. And... Um, so, but that took some neutrals away from this match, no doubt, uh, when the European champions are right across the river in the Bronx playing against uh, Sabarding. <laughs> um, but let's get right into the lineups, all right? We got Fiorentina playing in a 4-4-3. Goalkeeper Pietro Terracchiamo. The back line, Lorenzo Venuti. Nikola Milenkovic. Luca Ranieri and Alexa Terzic. The midfielder Gaetano Castrovilli, Seba Cristoforo, Cristoforo, sorry, and Marco Benassi. And up front, the forwards Ricardo Saponara, Dusan Vlahovic, and Ricardo Sotil. Benfica line up in a 4-4-2. Zlobin is in goal for this one. The back four on the left, Grimaldo, the, the center-back pairing, Fehu and Ruben Diaz, and making his first ever start, uh, I'm assuming first ever in his career, as a right-back, Nuno Tavares, normally a left-back, who has looked good in the first in the previous matches, I say the first three matches of this preseason. He has looked strong. Um, definitely going to make the... the I think he's definitely going to make the first team, the squad. Uh, he's going to come off the bench for Grimaldo, but in this game needed to play on the right. And he's one of the key things I'm going to talk about as the game goes on because, um, well, we'll get into it, all right? And in the midfield, a very usual midfield, uh, Rafa on one side, the center mid-pairing for this game, Tino and Gabriel. So Bruno Lage leaves Samadis on the bench. Actually, Samadis would not even come in in this match. Um, he stuck with Tito in this one. Uh, Florentino Luigi, of course, partnering, like I said, with Gabriel Pizzi, playing in his normal position. Up front, the pairing of Raul de Tomas, or RDT, as he wears on his jersey, with Haris Seferovic, the reigning golden boot winner in Portugal. Big question, can Sef and RDT play together? Okay. And Bruno Leitch has admitted that it's a work in progress and it's going to take some work. And um, But both of them show quality. I think eventually this is going to work. Um, right now it may not. I don't know that I would stick with this tandem for the Super Tasa game, the Super Cup against Sporting. But um, we'll see what Brunelage does over the next with this match tomorrow and then next Sunday. Benfica would start the match on the front foot. And right off the bat, you can hear the Benfica supporters singing, even if the commentators don't acknowledge it. Iwamu Benfica, to the tune of Seven Nation Army, was ringing throughout Red Bull Arena. Um, it was a it was a loud atmosphere for for the size of the crowd. They definitely punched above their weight. It was no doubt a mini Stadio de Luz again at Red Bull Arena, and I think Benfica should officially make Red Bull Arena their U.S. home stadium. Um, I think that would make a great partnership with New York Red Bulls, and um, 
I think it's the perfect place to watch Benfica here in North America. I couldn't make it to this game myself. Very disappointed about that. But watching it on TV, even with the empty seats, it sounded great. Hats off to everybody in that 12,141 who were cheering and were on their feet during the match, uh, supporting the boys in red, supporting the Eagles, as um, I think they all left happy. Fourth minute, Seferovic steals the ball from Cristoforo, but his pass for RDT is just slightly too heavy, and Fiorentina will recover still in that same fourth minute. Gabriel with a beautiful diagonal ball right onto Grimaldo's run. Grimaldo finds Pizzi across the across the box. Pizzi takes a little too long, and his shot is blocked by Ranieri. And uh, I haven't said it in a while. I said it last week, but I haven't said it in a while, so I'm going to say it again. What a ball by my man, Gabriel. And um, I hope I see him tomorrow, let me tell you. I love the way he plays midfield. I love the way he plays in that number eight position. He's a throwback box-to-box. Box. He loves to get in and get dirty. He he uses his body well. He loves to fight for the ball. He can break a defensive shape with, with one of his 60-yard you know, diagonal bombs right on point. He can shoot from distance. He can play the short ball. He can, he, he's got a little bit of Jinga in his step also when he needs it. Uh, he's one of my favorite players. He really, So great to see him back after that, that devastating injury a season ago. One minute later, it's the fifth minute, and Seferovic with another steal. This time he finds RDT, and RDT, he's got his, his he's facing the touchline, okay, um, with the goal to his right, okay. He's, he's inside the box, and he does a nice little flick with his right foot. He, he gets his foot up under the ball, and you know, like they say in Portuguese, he... Picar, he, he peeks the ball, right? He, he gives it a little chip right up and over the defender, puts it on his left foot, shoots on his left foot, but it was blocked by Milankovic. Um, and Benfica would have their first corner. Nothing would come out of it. But sixth minute, the first of many broken up. I wrote this down. First of many broken up plays in midfield by none other than Florentino. Uh, Florentino Luigi, of course. The counterattack was broken up by the Viola. But... Florentino, for me in this game, this guy was awesome. Okay, you gotta watch the detail and just watch. He hasn't been good like this. Okay, I think on Sunday he was not very good. I was disappointed with him on Sunday. I was disappointed with him towards the end of last season. It looks like Florentino is a much better player when Befica are possessing less and are forced to defend more. Uh, it looks like that's more of his game. Will Bruno Lage kind of split time between Tino and and Samadis? Is Samadis going to play in the league games where Benfica are going to possess more and they're going to have to go forward? Because that's where Florentino struggles. When he's got to possess and he's got to find passes in tight spaces, He that's when he makes his little mistakes. Most of his mistakes are made in possession. In def, you know Defensively, he, he's top-notch, so... Maybe we'll see Florentino play in the more pressure-packed games, in the games where we're going to see less of the ball. This is an idea I'd be floating around if I were Bruno Lage. From what I've seen from the two players and the differences that uh, you know they possess, obviously, obviously Samadij and Gabriel, the way they partnered up last year, I think that has to be the way we start against Sporting. But we've seen so much of Florentino in this preseason. Maybe, maybe the 
maybe the gaffer's going with Florentino. We'll have to wait and see. But remember, we just re-signed Samadis to a huge contract. He's a huge part of that that locker room. I know he's a he's the consummate professional. He's the ultimate professional, and that's why he was re rewarded with that contract extension and that hefty raise. But I think what we I think he's gonna find a way to get both of them their, their fair share of minutes. And I think certain games are going to call for Florentino and other games are going to call for Samadish. And I think the two of them are going to are gonna handle that well because um, you've got the great example from your leader in Samadish from your veteran. And obviously it's, it's a fantastic example for the much younger Florentino to follow. And like I said, in this game, when, when the rest of the team is poor, Florentino's at his best. So, I mean... I was I was very happy with Florentino throughout this match, um, and this was the first of many plays he broke up in midfield from from Fiorentina, and many attacks that started with him his ball winning. Seventh minute, Terzic passes the ball right to Seferovic. This is Seferovic's third takeaway in the first seven minutes, um, and this pass was right to him. He plays it out to to Pizzi, and then Pizzi makes uh, Terzic pay for his mistake by rifling his cross right off. Uh, Terzic's face uh, Terzic goes down for a while uh, needs a little bit of medical help but he's okay reminds me of uh, one time I was playing my father was my coach right the original mister like I refer to him and uh, I was half asleep on the pitch for a minute and I made this horrible pass okay I'm playing in midfield we're on attack, and I give the ball away. I pass it to the raw. It was as if I forgot which color shirt we were wearing. I give the ball to the other team. And the other team's defender just decides to clear it one time right off the middle of my face. And I drop like a ton of bricks. And the only thing I really remember from this play, okay, besides my face being numb for three days after it and having the the stitching of the ball imprinted in my cheek was my father in his heavy accent say, that's what you get. That's what you get for that hospital pass you just, what was that? You know, or something along those lines. But basically the whole team <laughs> say, bem feito. If you, in Portuguese, it'd be bem feito. And that's what Terzic got here. Uh, a horrible giveaway and then bem feito as he gets the ball imprinted in his cheekbone. Um... And then, and then I made a, a footnote here as the English announcer absolutely uh, made my insides crawl when he referred to players coming through the Benfica Football Club. Do your homework, man. Come on. You're calling a game for an international audience. It's Sport Lisboa Benfica or Sport Lisbon Benfica, not Benfica Football Club. Uh, that really irritated me because that shows a lack of preparation, a lack of homework being done by the commentary team. Um, this is we are one of the big clubs in this competition. Okay, Benfica are the symbol of Portugal. You got to get the club's name right. You don't call Manchester United the Manchester Red Devils or or you know Manchester Football Club. You know that they're Manchester United. You know Manchester City is Manchester City. You don't call Arsenal. You know. Arsenal Sports or something like that. You you know the correct name for these teams. So this this was very disappointing. 
in my opinion, for the commentary team. Again, I believe this was a world feed. This was not an ESPN team. This is a feed that ESPN picked up. Okay. And I bet that these announcers were not even in were not even in the stadium. They're probably watching in a studio in like London or something uh, in the middle of the night. So I guess I got to give them a little slack for that. The ninth minute, Rafa starts to carve into space until the defender commits. And that's when Rafa slots it just left to RDT, who slides a square ball across goal. And just before it can be cleared, Seferovic outmuscles Ranieri and gets a toe to the ball and puts it home. And Benfica take the lead as Red Bull Arena erupts in the celebration. The smoke machine behind the goal sets off as well as a cloud of smoke comes out of the machine. Benfica are ahead 1-0. Great cross from, from RDT here um, on a play by Rafa. Rafa really made this one happen with his speed, uh, exploiting the open space until the defender committed. And that's when he found the wide open Raul de Tomas, who played it across for Aris Seferovic. And Benfica, like I said, ahead 1-0 in the ninth minute. And in the 11th minute, Pizzi adds his death toll to two, his two kills, as this time he hits Cristoforo right off the face with an errant uh, ball. Not sure where he was going, but uh, Cristoforo would, Cristoforo, excuse me, would need some assistance. And during that, you hear the cries, SLB, 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 Glorioso. So on and so on, as you can hear it from the 12,000 in attendance. Um, very good. Very nice sound. It felt like we were playing in Portugal. Again, hats off. Uh, a big round of applause. Big ups to all the Befiquistas in the stadium that night. 12th minute, Zloman easily scoops up and smothers a shot from Castrovilli. Uh, little by little, though, Fiorentina starting to gain control away from Benfica. Fiorentina, Fiorentina excuse me, getting comfortable also in the match at this point. Um, starting to find a little bit of rhythm, but Benfica still playing well here at this point. Um, through the first 20 minutes, Benfica were quite strong. And in the 14th, um, we have Castrovilli trying to find uh, Saponara in the box, but Zlobin was there again to make... Uh, a nice play. Slobin looking okay in this one. Um, not great. Uh, still got questions about him as a goalkeeper. Uh, to be a you know a future number one, I don't know. Seventeenth minute, nice combination play from uh, Benfica's trio here of Rafa, Gabriel, and Pizzi. And uh, they play it through each other. And they eventually get the ball wide to RDT. Who plays a diagonal cross in. And it goes across the face of goal. But nobody is able to get on the other end of it. And it goes out for a goal kick. Befica squandering a chance to make it 2-0. Uh, 19th minute. Peasy in one of one, one of the worst. Honestly one of the worst games I've seen Peasy play. To be honest with you. Uh, he gives the ball away again. His pass misses Seferovic by a mile. And little by little, Befica are losing a hold on this match. Uh, there are a lot of errant passes. A lot of missed targets. A lot of balls being played out of bounds when they were intended for feet. Um, and then you see the two players start to look at each other. Each pointing in different directions. Kind of, you know, almost passing the blame one to the other. And uh, it... 
it's a little bit concerning. But again, this is preseason. Those rhythms are not there yet. That synchronization is not there yet. Uh, 20th minute, Sotil, Ricardo Sotil cross is cleared away by a sliding Ferru. And Ferru does well to get to it first to uh, prevent any of the on-running Fiorentina players from putting one on goal. And in the 21st minute, I did note a big mistake from the referee. And I thought this referee was a little over his head, in over his head at, at parts of this match. This seemed to be a speed of game. He And this was not a fast game by any means, but it looked to be a speed of game that he was not used to keeping up with. Um, out of position, the ball, you know, Saponata standing way offside. And as the ball is played in, what should have been a offside you know, hits a Benfica player and goes out for a corner. The referee should have clearly given the offside, given that Benfica have no advantage um, in giving away a corner. Instead, he gives the corner. For me, he gets it wrong. And that's not because it's against Benfica. That's just how I see it. I see him getting that one wrong. Um, because if the player's not there offside, Benfica are under no pressure to clear the ball. Um, by by him being there, force, you know, to me, says he's in the play. But the referee gives the corner kick. Fortunately, nothing comes of it. Uh, 23rd minute now. Tino plays wide to Nuno Tavares, who rather than playing forward into his wide open space, unfortunately turns his body to put the ball on his preferred left foot. Now, he's a left-footed player playing right back. And I'm gonna, I point this out here because this is the first of many times this happens throughout the match. And I know I saw on the social media after the match a lot of people impressed with Nuno Tavares, and well, I've been impressed with him. Not in this game. Um, defensively, he was fine. There's no problem. I have no issues with him defending one-on-one, -on -one, but in attack, he literally killed every single play when the ball came to him. He had to put the ball on his left foot, which meant Befica stopped going forward, and they had to go square or backward. Almost every time the ball found its way wide to him, the ball died there, and the play had to be restarted. Very concerned if he's going to be the right back against Sporting because we're going to have a very hard time attacking down our right side if we cannot use that outlet defender um, as a wide player because in the style we play and in the modern game, the outside backs are the are attacking players. And if Nuntavaj is constantly cutting in, putting it on his left foot, um, that's the job of the guy in front of him. That's the job of, of Peasy. He does that from the right. He cuts inside from the right mostly. Um, so, I'm um, I'm very concerned about that. And if you watch this match, go back and just pull a twenty minute a twenty minute segment out of this match, and just count how many times um, the ball stops going forward when it gets to, to Nuno Tavares, as he ends up having to put the ball on his left foot rather than playing it on his right, and um, having essentially to play it back to a to a, cent a central defender or back to a deep-lying midfielder to restart the play. And I, I'm very concerned about that. I, I don't understand how we don't have another right back that can fill in for Andre Almeida, how we didn't uh, reinforce that position in the offseason. Uh, we went and got three forwards. What? How many forwards did we go get? We went to get Shaquinho. We went to get... We went to get... Uh, we got Vinicius now. We got RDT. How did we not go get a right-sided defender to back up Andre Almeida? If not to, re many people were calling for an improvement on that position. 
and we didn't even get a backup. Um, and of course, Corsia went went back to Sevilla. So, I mean, now we we're stuck with a left-footed player playing right back, and it's defensively, like I said, it's going to be fine. But but coming out, uh, coming out trying to play out of the back. Down, it's going to be very hard to attack down the right side or to build up any play down the right side like that. So I'm very, very concerned about that. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes going forward. But that, for me, is a big red flag so far in this preseason. Maybe more so than almost any other issue aside from perhaps the goalkeeping. And I'll get to that at the end. 24th minute, Grimaldo plays to Seferovic, whose left-footed cross is volleyed beautifully by RDT, he hits it with the inside of his right foot, completely uh, positions himself perfectly, and what I like about RDT is his ability to put his body in the perfect position to, to do what he needs to do, okay, I've already said last last episode how much I like the way he turns, and just the little, the little body movements he does, for me, show that this guy's a class player, and he just needs time to adapt. This play was fantastic. I mean, he put his body perfectly. He he saw the ball into his foot and hit it the only way that he could successfully hit it. You know, not easy to do that at all when you're standing still. He took he's actually backing up. He took a step back to get in position. Very hard to hit a ball hard when you're you're backing up to gain to gain your position. He gets all of it, but uh <laughs> the keeper here, Terra Chiano Gets a gets his hand to it and parries it wide for a corner kick. Unfortunate. Would have been a beautiful highlight reel of a goal. Twenty uh, sixth minute clumsy foul by PZ on Benassi, um, and the assist king is having a a wretched night in my opinion. I mean he's losing the ball most of the time. He's fouling. He is uh, getting beat. His side of the field is it, it, we're struggling. And um, he's not finding the game, and he's not creating. He's not doing what PZ does. And clearly, just like last year, it's already we're already seeing in this preseason. There's one Benfica without PZ, or when PZ is not at his best, and then there's the Benfica with PZ on all cylinders, and it's a whole different, whole more dangerous, more volatile, more attack-minded, more dangerous Benfica. Um, when PZ is firing on all, all, on all cylinders, I'm hoping that this was just a case of jet lag. I think there was some some jet lag in these players. They had flown across the country. They are not used to these kinds of flights. They'd flown from Lisbon to San Jose, San Jose to Newark. They'd spent the day before, you know, on their feet at the Adidas store in New York and on Fifth Avenue, meeting with fans and things like that are really important for Benfica to do things like that. It doesn't always help the on the field performance in these games, but it was important for them to get out and to be among the people. And um, that's a, it's it was absolute I give Benfica an A plus on their marketing and branding during this tour. They've been fantastic, with the exception that there's been almost no appearances, no big uh, no big appearances here in New England, which I'm disappointed about. Um, I know the trophy was down at the Casa de Benfica in Fall River today. I believe it's it's also may have already gone to the Casa in in New Bedford. If not, it'll be there tomorrow at some point. Um, before the team and the trophy obviously fly home tomorrow night from Providence Airport. Um, I wish that there was a little more. 
accessibility here in, here in New England for them. But, listen, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I'm happy to have them here. They can't please everybody. Um, I think they did a great job on the branding and marketing uh, aspect of this tour. Wearing the USA Tour badge on their arm. For me, that was that was top-notch, top-class. And I think Befica, the only thing they have left to do, and I said this all last season, they got to start creating some programming for BTV in English. Even if it only goes on YouTube, they've got to start pro uh, producing English language programming. There's a whole fan base here that can still be won over. There's... There's so many Portuguese Americans here in North America that aren't even into soccer yet, okay? It just it's true. Or they're into soccer but they didn't grow up with it and they don't have a team to support yet. Well, if Befica's got programming in English and showing matches in English, I there's a whole new demographic out there to pull in. Whole new group of sausages. I I hope that they have sausage sign ups at these games. If they should. If they don't, then that's a huge oversight, and I'm going to take back my A plus on on that and make it a B. If they're not, if they don't have, you know, if they don't have people with clipboards and with laptops or iPads getting sausage to sign up, I'll tell you right now. If someone comes to me tomorrow to sign up as a sausage, I'll probably do it. I'll probably swipe my credit card and give them their yearly fee. My kota to be a sausage. I've told you before, the only reason I'm not is because their website has let me down every single time I've tried to sign up. Um, and I'm not going to go out of my way to give them money. So if Benfica are serious, um, I think that would be something they should be doing. And um, I guess I'll, I'll report back on that on the next episode. Now, back to this Fiorentina match as I get sidetracked here. Um, 29th minute here, we've got Vlakovic. Vlakovic's left-footed effort deflects. It hits Ruben's calf and beats Zlobin to his left. And Laviola pull level 1-1 at the Red Bull Arena. And um, you could see it coming. Uh, Fiorentina had been growing in the match. And... Um, Benfica had not put away their early chances to go ahead 2-0, and suddenly it's 1-1. I'm going to fast forward to the second half. Uh, the rest of the, uh, the the half was played out pretty evenly. Um, I do want to uh, make a note of the 38th minute when Damu 38 was heard loud and clear. Damu 38, it's sweet to hear. All right, hopefully at this time next year we'll be singing Damu 39. So halftime, 1-1, all right? Um, interesting thing coming out of halftime. Fiorentina make a couple of subs. Benfica only switch goalkeepers. The other 10 players stay the same. And um, Benfica will not make any subs until the 73rd minute. Um, and what I think is going on, and I know I had a little argument with my with my pops about this. Uh, he thought that the players didn't deserve to keep playing, some of them, and that they weren't working hard enough. And what I think I see, I see a combination of jet lag, fatigue. Um, I see a team that's training twice a day. Okay, uh, I come to find out, you know, two days later they played us an eleven v eleven 
full 90-minute uh, training match the day before the Fiorentina match, and they played another one the day after against local amateur sides. All right. Um, none the least, uh, the one played the next day was against one of the best amateur teams in the United States of America, which was FC Christos of Baltimore, a team that features plenty of former professional Major League Soccer players. Yes, it's not Fiorentina, it's not Milan, but um, playing three 90-minute matches in three days uh, makes me understand a little bit more what's going on as far as the subs. And I think what Rui Vittori is... Uh, I can't believe I said that name. What Bruno Lage is doing... Uh, Shout out to Rui Vitoria. He was in my hometown. He was in Abidush playing against Mike Aldish Sport Club with his uh, with his Saudi Arabian team this past week. And I saw some pictures. Pretty cool of him to bring his, his team to Portugal and um, uh, give the amateur guys from college a taste of playing against some professionals from the Middle East. Um, I, it was great to, to for the whole area. Um, so I will give him a shout out for that. Um, but back to this match, of course, um, Bruno Lage, what Bruno Lage is doing is he's training them hard, obviously. He's working on fitness, and what we need to remember when we're watching these matches, in the preseason, you're training through matches, you're not training for matches. In the regular season, you train for the match, okay, you rest up to it, and you recover so that you're fresh when you go to play. At this time of the season, preseason, a lot of coaches like to make you play tired. All right, that's to give you an extra base for your fitness. Okay, it's a long season. Um, players make mistakes when they're tired. You train the mind as much as the body when you play tired. And that's what I think Bruno Lage is doing. Keeping players, you know, some guys went 90 for the first time in this match. PZ and uh and Rafa both played the most minutes they've played so far. Gabriel was stretched to 70 minutes. He hadn't played that much. I mean, he was he was gassed and he hit the wall, but he fought through it and I think that's what he's working on here is getting these guys to fight through that wall, to break it down, to build some stamina, build some 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 fitness, you know, get a nice base, get some more get a work rate, get some more output and um it does make it look like he's going to play a, a almost second-choice squad uh, tomorrow against Milan. We will have to wait and see what he does because, again, that so-called second-choice squad played a lot of minutes the very next day against FC Christos. Uh, we heard of it was a 6-0 win for Benfica. Goals from Jota and uh, from Zivkovic uh, in that match, um, each of them with multiple goals. So... We only get to see half the story when we watch these games on television. So don't be so quick to jump the gun and say that this team is not playing well. Don't be so quick to think that we're flying on all cylinders, all right? We're only seeing part of the part of the body of work. There's stuff going on behind the scenes. There's matches we're not seeing, matches we don't know about. So um, there's a lot going on here. But again, Svilar comes in for Zlobin. Um, Svilar, for me, was, was horrendous in this match. Uh, his decision-making is absolutely atrocious. I know he's a 19-year-old, um, he's a young goalie, but you can see he has not 
been a regular goalkeeper for some time, a couple of years now. I, I don't even think he was a regular goalkeeper before he came to Benfica, much less since he's been here. Uh, he really needs to be loaned where he can play week in and week out because this this is not going to do it. And I now understand why Benfica were looking so desperately for a goalkeeper. And, you know, they've been the headlines now. The rumors have them, you know, going after Liverpool's Mingole. Um, at first, I was against the idea of going to get money, going to spend money on a goalkeeper because I thought Odie, you know, Odie's got earned the right to to be the starting goalie again this year, having won the title for us last year. Really, only one goal all year that you could call a true frango, and that was, of course, the game against Bolognese Sad. But he more than made up for it in other games where he had big saves to keep our result. Um, but now I understand it's not about Odie. It's about <laughs> what's behind Odie. And should something happen to Odie, I have zero confidence in Svilar, and I have not. Much, I have a little more, but not much confidence in Slobin. I've heard a lot about him, but I'm just not seeing it right now. Um, he he's given up all three goals in this preseason. Some of it's been bad luck, but it still goes to show he's been he's still one that's that's pulled the ball out of the goal three times, two against Enderlecht, and now one here against Fiorentina. So. I'm very concerned about that going forward as well. Hopefully we will bring in a... You know, I hate to say this, and this is going to drive people nuts, but I think it's the honest truth. Guys, Bruno Varela is better than both of these two backups. He would have been a much better choice as Benfica's backup. Why are we loaning away a goalie that's better than the substitutes we have? He's just sitting on a bench in Ajax. Why not sit on the bench for us? Why did we loan him back out if we were not going to be able to put a, a serious backup goalkeeper on this team? Because Vlakodimos, Odi Vlakodimos also needs that challenge. He needs that push. He needs to know his spot is can be lost if he drops his game. And Bruno Lage said that in the last match, after the Chivas match, it was not about threatening people's jobs. It's about the competitiveness that if you don't do your job, someone else will do it. He even said that that goes for himself as well. If the manager doesn't do his job, there's plenty of qualified people to come on in that would love to take it. So that competitiveness and that insecurity... Um, should be the motivating factor to produce good results. But at goalkeeper, that that's just not there. I mean, Vlacodimos is so much better than the other two. Back to the, the, the match here. The 53rd minute, Grimaldo's cross for Seferovic was, was fantastic, and the Swiss assassin gets his head to it, but the header is well wide. 54th minute, nice 1-2 between Rafa and Pizzi. Pizzi dishes back to Rafa, who hits it hard with the inside of his right foot and curls it wide, but ju curls it just wide of the far post. Benfica nearly go back up 2-1 uh, there on that one. And we go to the next point of the match here. In the 55th minute, Chiesa walks in 
to try to play a square ball to Saponara. Saponara can't get to it because Ferro clears wide. Looks like, you know, all in all, this looks like a good game for Ferro. As I watched it again the second time earlier today, it didn't look as bad as the first time. Had I done this podcast Thursday morning or late Wednesday night, it, I will. I would have been a lot more negative on this. Watching it a second time, I saw some things I missed the first time. And um, there's some encouraging things that happen here. As uh, Some of the players, though, their play wasn't as good. Their work rate was good. And they were. And it's important to be able to produce even when you're not playing well. You know, it's not pretty. It's not coming out right. But at least you're still getting work done. And it's not all for none. That's an important um, aspect in a championship-level team. In the 57th minute, I wrote that Befica looked gassed here. And the players have visibly hit the wall. And this is, I made the note where it's important to remember, you trained through these matches, not for these matches. Lige is, is stretching these players. He's keeping them on the field. Past their fitness level. Remember that everything's monitored also. Heart rates are monitored. They're all wearing monitors. He's not putting anyone in any real danger. He's just pushing them a little bit harder. 61st minute. Rafa's through ball is a little too heavy for Seth. And this is when I noticed that though Rafa's not having his best game touch-wise, he is working hard and his work rate is still producing opportunities. All right. Somewhere in this second half, as my notes get a little bit more more uh, messed up here, and um, as it gets later here and my concentration starts to break as the clock strikes 1 a.m. right now, I did write out that Befica are struggling to, to go up and down the pitch now. Befica's players can no longer make the runs. This is the 65th minute, and the formation starts to look. I paused the television. You literally have a 6-4 formation on the field. Six guys in the back unable to get up in support. And four guys up top unable to get back defensively. And Fiorentina, you know, Vincenzo Montella, sends on six fresh substitutes at this moment. Um, and at the, and I was saying at this point, oh boy, we're going to lose this match. Uh, Fiorentina's going for it right here. However, in the 72nd minute, not long later, uh, Lige finally goes to his bench. Um, sorry, 74th minute, where uh, Tarapt and Fasia come on. Also, in this in this time frame here is the, the miss, I'm sure everyone has seen now, by Marco Banassi. Yeah, that's right. Chiesa walks in, dribbles past Filar, has him beat, but his shot goes off of the post. Benfica, like I said, gassed in walking. Uh, nobody gets to to the ball, but Fiorentina's Marco Banassi, and from about six or seven yards away, he hammers the ball over the bar, fortunately for Benfica. It should have been 2-1 to one to Fiorentina at that point. And in the 74th, Tarapta and Fasia come on for Tino and Pizzi. Tino, for me, the best player on the park on the night. Um, I, he's my man of the match in this one. Just did all the little things, especially as everyone around him started to to crumble, he held things together. Broke up a lot of plays. Uh, two, three minutes later, Tarapt has a right-footed shot. It goes high and wide. It didn't look good. It just looked like it wasn't going to happen tonight for Benfica anymore. The fire we saw in the first 20 minutes and the dominance, the Benfica dominador that we saw last year, seemed to have disappeared. 
And 80th minute, Lige goes to the bench again with three more subs. This was the last three subs he would make for the match. And this is a big... Um, I think this is important because we got Jota, Chiquinho, and Caio Lucas coming on for Gabriel RDT and Rafa. Rafa was just starting to play better too, believe it or not. Um, he started slow, but in the second half, he was really he was working hard and he was creating opportunities. The execution wasn't coming out right, but but the effort was there. Um, the intention was there. I like what I saw from Rafa on second look. On first look, I didn't, but on the second look, I noticed just how. Rafa continued going, even though things weren't going well. He kept doing the right things, even if they came off wrong. Um, so I was a little disappointed to see him come out. He had just started creating some opportunities. Um, he even at one point was coming back all the way to between the two center, center defenders to pick up the ball and get the, the play started. He was covering a lot of space. Um, I would love to see his uh, pedometer for that match, see how much ground he covered. But this substitution is important as well because the Befica gained some life with these three guys coming in. And I have to say, um, these guys got to get time, this, you know, especially early on in this season because these are three of the best players we've had in this preseason. Jota, Chiquinho, Caio Lucas. Okay, Caio's very, very raw, like I said. But again, he makes things happen. He He wants it. There's a hunger in him. Same thing for Shikinu. Shikinu makes the most out of out of small uh, windows of playing time. And Jota, Jota has just been fantastic in this preseason. Bruno Lage noted it last game that he his his understanding has now caught up to his physical ability, and he's really becoming a more complete professional. And he really makes it happen here as he he wins the ball, creates some space for himself. All right, he finds. Um, he finds space for the on-running Shikinu. Shikinu turns and crosses the ball. And there is Caio Lucas who first times it. Hammers it past the goalkeeper into the goal for the winner. And the 90th plus 3. The stadium erupts. The Benficistas are going crazy in New Jersey. And Benfica have now got 2 wins in the International Champions Cup. And Benfica go into tomorrow's match with Milan. With the opportunity to become the first team in this edition to pick up three victories in regulation. Should Befica do that, they will hold out a possibility of winning the International Champions Cup. Uh, they'll have to wait a week because Man United are going to play Tottenham one week from tonight. Or one week from yesterday, I now say. Um, next Saturday, they'll play in Cardiff, the final game of the International Champions Cup. Benfica, if they can win three games, you know, if they can win tomorrow, they'll be the only team with nine points. United will have to win that match and win by multiple goals in order to catch Benfica on the goal difference side. So I'm hoping to see Benfica tomorrow put on a good performance. Um, my key points in this match was Seferovic going 90 minutes was important. Rafa, even though he was not at his best, he kept working and he created opportunities um, that's going to come up big. There's going to be games where things are not going well. I think to the Tondela match last season at home where they eked out a win in the final minutes. There's going to be games where things just aren't going well and you're going to have to push through and persevere. I wrote down Nuno Tavares. For me, not suited to play right back. Not um, against teams like Sporting. We need to be able to go forward. We cannot have our attack 
die every time it gets to the right flank. This is no knock on the kid at all. It is not his fault he's being played out of position because this is one place where the board did not do their job and did not get adequate you know, coverage for that position. Um, perhaps tomorrow we see João Ferreira. I don't know. He was supposed to go to Juve, as you probably know, but when the... When the Perrin deal fell through and he failed his medical with Benfica, uh, João Pereira, João Ferreira, excuse me, gets caught in the shuffle and he's still with Benfica. Like to see him tomorrow. He's only 18 years old, um, but he's a true right back. I'd like to see what he can do. I don't believe that they're going to go to him in a Super Cup match. I can't. I wish we still had a Salvio at this point. I wish we had held on to Salvio until uh, the end of the transfer window, until Almeida had recovered from his injury at the very least. Um, so I'm very concerned about that Super Cup match with Sporting. Um, if, if and I don't see who else is going to play on the right, um, on as a right back other than Nuno Tavares right now. Um, the goalkeeper situation, like I said, is dire when you get past Odie. Odie's good. We know that. He's got zero backup. He's got zero real backup. I mean, we lost the Taça de Portugal or the opportunity to go to the final last year in part due to the incompetence of Svilar. I don't mean to, to bash the kid. He's just a kid. He's young. He can still, but he has to start playing minutes. He's got to be loaned to a Moreirense or a, well, Academica's in the second division, so not Academica, but a Moreirense, a... a uh, formerly Cal, one of the teams coming up, you know, um, Maritimo, one of these teams, Portimonense, one of these, well, we don't deal with Portimonense, they're the Porto B team, so let's forget about them, but, uh, you know, to one of these teams in the lower half of the Portuguese league, where he's going to get a lot of work, where he's going to get a lot of shots, he's going to see a lot of situations, and only then will we know if he's got what it takes to be a Benfica goalkeeper. Sitting on our bench and rotting year after year is not going to help him. And then my last note was that Caillou, Chiquinho, and Jota, hungry. They're very hungry to get playing time. They want to earn this, and I think they deserve playing time, all three of them. Um, they can't all start, obviously, but I think they all are valid options um, in the 11 at this point. I mean, the RDT and Seferovic partnership is not where is not there yet, and that's understandable. Um, I know he costs 20 million, but I would I would have RDT starting on the bench in that in that Super Cup game, and I would have either Jota or Shikinu starting starting in with him, that uh, starting with Seferovic. Um, both of them deserve the time. And Caillou needs to be, I think, one of the first off of the bench as he has proven that he, he has something to offer to this team. That is a wrap on match number two of the International Champions Cup. All right. Um, that segment ran a little long. This is it. It is 1.10 a.m. I am going to call it at this point. Um, I still don't. Ha I still have not recorded my episode, my first episode of Jota Jota Carioca. I just can't find the time, and if I don't get it done quick, JJ is going to be sacked before I can get an episode out. He's lost a match. He's lost a match, and Flamengo has lost their heads. Uh, yes, he lost to Emelec in Ecuador Wednesday night. Um, JJ doing one of his inventing. Um, Rafinha comes in from Europe, and JJ gives him a new position. And it did not go well. Um, hopefully, 
you know, he sticks around so I can get a couple episodes in. Otherwise, that podcast is going to end before it even begins. All right, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed my look at Benfica Fiorentina. Um, again, if you're at Gillette Stadium tomorrow, if you hear this before the match, hit, feel free to say hello. If you see me, I'm in Section 216 up on the second level uh, above one of the goals. Um, if not, you know, feel uh, remember, find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. This is the Mr. Mike Augustino signing off. We'll see you in a couple days when I break down Benfica versus Milan in my backyard, Gillette Stadium, here in Massachusetts. All right, from Massachusetts to the world, good night, everybody, wherever you are. Viva Benfica, Força Benfica, Carrega Benfica, Dam U38. See you next time.